How many said thank you to someone for your presence over this Christmas? Oh, still got to do that. <laughs> I want to speak today on developing a lifestyle of gratitude, and, it's, it's, and I want to be focused particularly on why it's so important for us to develop gratitude in our life, what gratitude from a Bible perspective really looks like. I've touched on some of the thoughts in this message uh, at times, but I've never actually spoken or, or preached as far as I'm aware. Can't remember, but that's what you get when you get older. You don't always remember. And, uh, but I want to, uh, I felt that I'll put this back on my heart about developing a lifestyle of gratitude, a lifestyle of gratitude. Let me start with this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, there's some things you don't have to ever ask God what's his will. Here's one of them. In everything, be thankful. In everything, be thankful because actually that's what God wills for you. Why would we be thankful if things are going bad? Because we're thankful that God remains faithful. Our gratitude is not necessarily for the things that are happening. Our gratitude is that no matter what is happening, God has not changed and is able to make us abound in everything we need. So in everything, give thanks. In other words, Christians should be the most grateful, thankful, appreciative people of all. Would that be right? How sad it is that so many times people take everything that's done for them for granted. When you take it for granted, that means you're not thankful. And this is the will of God for you to be thankful to express gratitude. And this gratitude finds a form of expression. It's too deep in your heart to be any use. Amen? We need to be thankful. So uh, it's very clear. And that word thanks, I'm going to touch on this, and you're going to see this in a moment. The word in the original language there, the word for thanks is the word eucharisto, from which we get the word eucharist. But the core of it is this, is the word charis, grace. Now, when I use the word grace, immediately we think of, oh, well, we say grace at a meal. Why do you use that word, grace, attached to saying thank you at a meal? See, people don't stop to think. We don't always stop to think of why we do that. When we get before a meal, we say, well, Lord, we say grace. Say grace? Now, the word grace has a meaning well beyond what we would tend to think of it. When we think of grace, we think of uh, fancy definitions of God's empowering in our life, which is wonderful, and it is and true. That's a part of it. There's a lot more to it than that, though. And, uh, but when we think of it, we, we often think of just something that you see in church. And we don't understand the biblical or the, the significance of it to everyone who heard these words. So when we hear him say, in everything give thanks, it's not using the language that would immediately have some associations for us. So, for example, if I said the word thanksgiving, well, for us it doesn't mean anything. But if you're American, whoa. Now suddenly, without me saying turkeys and meals and family gathering and everything like that, you got it. Now how did you get it? I only said the word Thanksgiving. But immediately for you, you had a whole lot of understanding because of your culture and the practices of your culture, what that meant. So when you hear the word Thanksgiving, immediately all those things come to mind. So it's the same when we look at the Bible. When we look at the Bible, we look at it from a Western culture. Therefore, it's from a way of thinking, which is Western. So when we hear the word grace, all we think of is grace at a meal and amazing grace. Or someone preached on grace. It doesn't have any major significance for us because we don't have a culture that understands that. And that's what I want to help you understand. And then you'll understand why gratitude is so important, okay? Okay, so let's have a look then at the word uh, in Romans 1 verse 21. And you'll see the importance of why it is important to be thankful. Gratitude affects us. Gratitude affects our relationships deeply. And so notice here in Romans 1.21, it says, because when they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Or in other words, they did not give Him honor and respect. So having had a revelation of God, whatever level of revelation was associated there, whatever revelation they had, it said, they did not respond with honor. In other words, when you receive revelation of what God is like, Every time we receive revelation, our response is to honor. Second thing is, neither were they thankful. 
There's that same word again. Uh, the word thankful is the word eucharisto, meaning grace or to have grace. Neither did they express their gratitude. So on obtaining revelation of God, coming into a certain measure of knowledge of God, the two things they refused to do or chose not to do, one was to not honor. That means to dishonor. And the other one was not to be thankful, meaning to be ungrateful. Now, there is a consequence to it, which is spelled out. I won't go into all the details, but I want to show you that there's a consequence in all of our relationships, all of them, every arena in life, when we fail to honor, fail to express gratitude. So here it is here. It says, it says they were, uh, became vain in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. They professed themselves to be wise, but they became foolish. And then there's a deterioration in character that leads right through homosexuality to all forms of immorality. So notice that it says that because they did not honor God, respond to him with honor, respond to him with gratitude, the result was the thinking about God changed. The thinking about God, they became, it says they became vain, meaning literally they became proud, or putting another word, they became self Centered. So when God reveals himself, when God blesses us, when God demonstrates his goodness, the appropriate response is honor and gratitude because this will open up more of what we've just received. But when we respond and we don't honor God, we don't place value on our relationship with him and on him as a person, and we don't show gratitude to him, then pride, self-centeredness gets our mind and it says their foolish heart became darkened. In other words, a spiritual darkness and inability to see more. So at one point, they had light, but by not responding with gratitude and honor, they, they became darker. So they started off getting a, an experience with God and then did not go on in that experience, actually went back. And I think you would know many, many people uh, over the years of uh, being a Christian that had encounters with God, were up there weeping and encountering God, but at some point they've gone back and they're now in darkness. They're not moving in revelation or in a flow of God as they once did. And one of the core things to that is because of a lack of honor of God and a lack of gratitude to Him. In the last days, it says, look at this list here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. If I read out in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks specifically about the last days and some of the characteristics. Now, it uses one of the characteristics of the end times is people being ungrateful. Let's read it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, there it is in the last days, perilous or dangerous times will come for, and it says what makes the times dangerous. It doesn't mention things about wars. It talks about a decline in character. Here it is. It says men will become lovers of themselves, see, self-centered. It said, lovers of money, different goal, different uh, lack of honor for God. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Whoa. And then straight off that, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, and so on and so forth. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In other words, it's saying that in the last times, one of the great challenges for the church will to be retain the presence of God and the power of God. And if we don't develop gratitude as a part of our lifestyle, we are in danger that having experienced something, we lose what we've experienced. So gratitude is a whole responsiveness to God for the blessings he has poured out in the past and an expectation of ones he will pour out again. And when we're not thankful, we tend to become or get a sense of entitlement. It's my right to have this. It's my right to have that. When people have a sense of entitlement, their, their gra gratitude diminishes even further. Why don't you look with me at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. I'm going to open up for you just a little bit about the culture of Jesus' day so we'll understand something that's uh, foreign to us in a Western culture. So first, let's have a look at the ministry of Jesus. I want to look at two verses on the ministry of Jesus. And uh, then I'm going to talk to you about the culture of Jesus' day so we can understand what he's trying to say. Remember, without a culture knowledge, the words just go over our heads because they don't ring a bell. They don't ring a bell at all. Here it is. And uh, in Acts chapter 10, 38, you know the verse, a very brilliant verse. And it says, And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about what? He went about? He went about? 
healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. Now, I've preached on this many times. I tended to focus on the, you know, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. And I kept looking at this thing, doing good, doing good, doing good. What is this doing good? What is it? Why is it, why is it say he went around doing good? Of course he did good. What does that mean? Now, here's the word. The original language, the word is only used twice. And it's used in reference to Jesus. The word that's used there specifically for doing good. When we think of doing good, oh, I kind of did this for someone, did that for someone. But they use a specific word so you'll associate with Jesus something that's in the culture. Here it is. He said, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost, empowered by the Holy Ghost, and he went about being a benefactor or a spiritual patron in the community. Now, that, that thought doesn't enter our minds because it's not part of our language. We don't understand patronage for a start. In fact, we think that's part of the corrupt things that go on in the other part of the world. In a Western culture, everything's equal. We're on the same, uh, on the same floor. We have the same opportunities. And if anyone thinks that they've got a better... Anyone, we think it always unjust if someone's get ahead of us or they've got an opportunity or someone does them a favor. Now, this word here that's used of Jesus, it used, it's a specific word. And I'll show you where it appears again. And uh, here it is. It's a word to be a benefactor or to be the representative of God imparting the spiritual blessings and favors of God to people. Now, what did that look like when Jesus was a benefactor? It looked like this. He healed people. He delivered people. He raised the dead to life. He multiplied resources. He gave opportunities to people. He brought hope to people. He forgave people, and ultimately, he died on the cross, surrendering his life that we might be beneficiaries. So whatever the word means, it has an immense of spiritual blessing associated with it. Jesus was, went about doing good or being a spiritual benefactor. Now, the use of the word immediately triggered something in their mind. Let's have a look in another verse here in Acts chapter 7 and verse 9. It's used again. Acts chapter, I think it's probably Acts chapter 9 and verse 7. Let me see if I can find it. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. There we go. Acts 4 and verse 7. And uh, it says, now, here is a man being healed. Now, this is, remember, the man that was totally crippled. Totally crippled, and then he got healed. And now, of course, they're all reacting to the disciples. And they're, uh, then verse 17, it said, uh, <coughs> sorry, where we got then? Peter, filled with the Spirit, verse 8 said to them, you rulers and peoples and elders of Israel, verse 10, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel but by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands whole before you. Verse 9, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he's been made well, let it be known. It's by the name of Jesus. Now, notice this word, good deed done to a man. The word good deed, has the, it's the same word again. It's the word to be a benefactor. So you notice here, the good deed that was done was the cripple was totally healed. This is what they associated with Jesus being the benefactor. To be Jesus being a benefactor could do things no one else could do. He could heal the crippled man. He could deliver people from demons. He could open the blind eyes. He could raise the dead. He abounded in the power and blessing and favor of God. And everyone who came to him received benefits and blessings. The ones who didn't come for him did not. But those who came to him, it says he healed all, all who came to him. Not some, he healed all. It was without exception. So we see now that Jesus was a benefactor in that what he did benefited others. Now let me explain what that meant to the people of that day. And then you'll understand why crowds followed him. So in the culture of that day, in a Western culture, we like to think everyone's equal. Everyone has a right to opportunity. It's a level playing field. In fact, if you think that someone uh, can give you a favor, uh, then uh, other someone else is going to be really jealous about that. We tend to think of that as being quite corrupt. But in the New Testament culture, the Bible culture of the Middle East and the culture of much of Asia now, the thinking around giving or generosity was quite different. Here's what it was. In the, uh, in the culture of the Middle East, there was no welfare system. So it was built around a network or structure of networks that kept the society going. 
So in the society, there was extreme rich and extreme poor, and there were no middle class. What makes our Western culture prosperous is we have a prosperous middle class. I was in uh, Taiwan, and I got to meet with one of the architects of Taiwan's prosperity, and I said, and he was going to speak at a conference with the king uh, of Jordan, his friend. And I said, and I'm feeling pretty honored being in there with him. And I said, tell me this, how do you move a country from being poor like Taiwan was after the war to now being so prosperous? He said, oh, simple. What we did was we found ways to free up benefits for, the middle, for people to grow a middle class. In other words, we made opportunities, tax breaks, and we broke up the power of the rich people because they were holding it all to themselves. We broke up the power of the land holding, released land to ordinary people, and we made it sure that small businesses could prosper. That's how the whole thing went ahead. So raised up a middle class. Now in the Jesus day, there's no middle class, there's no welfare system. So if you're, you're either poor or you're extremely wealthy, there's no one in between. If you're poor, uh, then you need help. And if someone gets sick in your family, who are you gonna, who's going to pay for it? You need someone to help you out. If you want to start up a business, you need to start up money. If you want to get a connection so you can do business, you need someone to give you a referral. In fact, everything worked on the basis of favors. And that's where the whole culture operated. It worked not as we would operate in a Western culture. It operated on a system of favors. So if I was in need, I would go to the rich man and I would ask him if he will help me out. And he will make a decision to help me out. If he helps me out, then what happens is he gives me a gift. The gift is to help me out. Now, in, in, in the Western culture, if someone gives you a gift... It's considered like this. This is the way we think. If I give you a gift, if there's any string attached, you consider that to be corrupt. There was a hidden agenda. It was an impure motive. It wasn't real love, and it wasn't a real gift. It was actually a trade. Okay. Now, that's the Western culture. In the Asian culture, or Middle Eastern culture of Jesus' time, the giving of a favor to someone was not just about giving a favor. It was about initiating a relationship. So when the favor was given, the rich man proved himself to be an honorable man by doing favors to help the man who's poor. They could not help themselves. The poor man, in return, would respond to the rich man with gratitude, and the gratitude expressed itself in four distinct ways. So what would happen is, when the rich man did you a favor, then he became your patron or your benefactor, and you became his client or his friend. See, that's how the whole system worked. And so this, the whole of the uh, culture was full of these networks where you had people who were rich and wealthy who were patrons or benefactors, and they had many, many people they were in a relationship with because they had given to them, and the person now was connected to them with a debt of gratitude. Any idea? That's how it all worked. And so there were strict guidelines around how the whole system worked. Now, the problem is, if you didn't show gratitude, then the system's in danger of breaking down because the rich man thinks the next time I'm not going to help anyone. So the whole deal worked on two things. One is that rich people would benefit the poor, and two, the poor would respond with gratitude and honor and respect. So the poor person gets his needs met, the favor is given to him and he's helped out. The rich man, in return, gains a reputation for being an honorable man and his influence in the community increases. Any idea? So that's how the whole system worked. Quite different to what else. So if, if you wanted money or goods, if you wanted protection, if you wanted help in some kind of way, wanted a connection, wanted some kind of business context, how you did it. So the giving and receiving formed the relationship and it was not hidden, it was made public. Here, if you give, our giving's done in secret. So the whole system worked as quite a public thing. So there it is. So now, we get to the word grace. So we understand what a benefactor is. A benefactor is a person with great resources, and that person kindly blesses someone else and does them a favor. Now, let's have a look at the word grace. Now, the Western, as I said before, the word grace is a religious word. I sing amazing grace, we, and we say grace, but we don't get the picture at all. Now, the, uh, uh, for us, our thinking is that uh, if, uh, if I give you something and I've got a string attached, that's not grace at all. That's some kind of trade or manipulation. Now, in the Bible and in the culture of Jesus' day, every time the word grace was mentioned, it was referring to something that happened 
in the public arena, not in the church arena. The church borrowed the word from the public usage. How did they borrow the word? Well, the term, the rich man or the benefactor giving to the poor man is called grace. So if someone who has got resources gives to someone else, his act of generosity is grace. Secondly, the word grace was used for the gift, charis, gift, the gift I give you. So if I'm a wealthy person and I give you a gift, my giving is called grace. I have graced you, and what I gave you was the grace. You understand? Now, the person who is receiving is also expected to return grace. Grace had to be met with grace. What they had to do was show gratitude. So if I gave a gift and there's no gratitude, the whole relationship breaks down. I'm going to be reluctant to give another gift to that man because he's ungrateful. In other words, what would happen is now once I've given to him and he's responded with gratitude, now we have a relationship. Now this is what could be expected in the relationship. He would expect because I'm the benefactor, he can come to me again and again. And whenever he has a need, he'll turn up and he'll come back to me. That's something that Westerners don't get when you go into Asian countries. They think you employ a servant in the house, you've employed a servant in the house. No, 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 you're the benefactor. So if they have any kind of need, they will come to you for that need. Oh, pastor, my daughter's sick, can you come? It's like the whole mentality to this day is still beset with this. It's still framed in a collective culture with this thinking. So a wealthy person or a Westerner coming into an Asian culture, when someone... Uh, does something, they're initiating the relationship with being being used as a benefactor. And that goes on for your life. It doesn't break. So the deal is, grace is given to people, the gift is grace, and their response is grace. Now, four things were required of the person. I'm going to have a look now and show you how God's grace differs from human grace and what we're expected to respond like. Okay, so here's the four ways. So if I had uh, given a great blessing or a great benefit to someone and helped them out, helped them out with finances and whatever, uh, had given them grace, my gift was grace to them, this is what grace looked like. They responded with grace in four ways. Number one, they said, thank you. And they said, thank you every time they saw me. Thank you. Thank you for helping me out. Thank you. I'm so glad. So the person, the, the giver would never mention it again, but the person who's receiving would never stop mentioning it. Thank you. It was so good to me. Man, I really appreciate that. This is one of the things that, that, uh, that he did this morning. He's come up to me and said, thank you. Last year was my best year. And I'm thinking, oh, I want to help him again. See? See? So, so first, you have to express thanks. You have to say something. You've got to say something. Thank you. I am so appreciative of the gift you gave me. How many times... Do we receive blessing from someone, benefit from someone, and we don't do the minimal, which is to say, thank you very much. I'm so appreciative of what you've done for me. See, second thing was required was that you honor them publicly or that you testify and make known what a great guy this is. And what do you make known? You make known how he helped you. So the man never asked for anything, but what you give him is you say, number one, you thank him. Number two, you start to tell people about it. You share testimony and say, wow, such a great benefactor, such a great patron. Man, he really helped me out. And, and other people here, they oh, wow, did he really? Well, I might come to him too. And they would come to him too, and he would help them out. And so his network began to grow because of benevolence. So benevolence was what grew networks. And the networks held the society together because if someone got in trouble, they'd just go to their patron. Okay, the third thing that was required was loyalty. You can't have divided loyalty. So if I come to him and he's my patron and I come to him also, it's okay to do that so long as these two are not fighting one another. If there's a problem between them, I can't go to him. That's considered disloyalty. See, so you're expected to be loyal. And if I came to the patron and I got a blessing from him and then he went through hard times, I was expected to stick by him in the hard times when people are talking negatively about him. In other words, stay loyal because he showed me such a blessing. My gratitude is expressed by my loyalty. Okay, getting the idea? Okay, then uh, the fourth thing that you were expected to do was this, an act of service. Whenever he needed a favor from me, You never have to say, I pray about it. 
You never have to say, well, wait a minute, I can't do that. I'm too busy. I've got too much on. If he asked for a favor, I drop everything to do the favor. So he could come at midnight asking for something and benevolence because there's this, this relationship of benefactor and, now the, and, the, and the friend or the client, then what would happen is I would respond. The answer is yes. Why would I say yes? when he, I don't say to him, listen, mate, have you got any idea what time it is? It's a shocking time to be coming asking me to do that. Now, you see, if I do that, he will think this man's not grateful. The relationship ceases, and now I've got no access for favors in the future. See how the system worked? And it still works among the mafia to this day. Well, it does. That's how they work. The, the Don would do a favor. And then whenever he wanted one, you could not say no. There'd be a big problem for you. Okay, so it works like that in some cultures now, you see. So that's how the culture worked. So the client and the patron. And the patron was the benefactor, the generous one. And in return, the client or the friend would then show gratitude be loyal, testify how good he was. If he needed something, he'd come and say, I'll do it. Get an idea? That's, now, so when it says Jesus was a benefactor, oh, now his level of benefaction is beyond anything we've ever seen. These other guys can only help out with a bit of money. They can help out if they feel like it. And they can help you out with a bit of a reference point if they feel like it, or they may give you a connection. But Jesus, if you were sick, he can heal you. If you were demonized, he can deliver you. If you have troubles in your life, he can free you. Jesus is some benefactor. Now it's no wonder the people followed him. They all thought they wanted something. Man, this is the benefactor we need in our life. If we've got him, we don't need anything else. This means I can let go of everything else because in him, I am complete and will have everything I need. That was what they understood. So crowds followed him. Crowds followed him. Jesus ministered the blessings of God. And to tell that they saw him like a benefactor, I remember in the, in the story in Luke where it says uh, the 10 lepers. Remember he healed the 10 lepers? What happened after he healed the 10 lepers? After he had benefactor 10. Now remember, leprosy is a life-threatening disease. It's like, say, having AIDS. Advanced AIDS, and you've got a short life expectancy, and 10 of them get healed. Now that is some major benefaction. So one comes back and says, thank you. So what does Jesus say? What did he say? We're the nine. Now why did he say that? because he understood the principle of spiritual benefaction, that there's a requirement of gratitude. So he pointed out, only one came back out of the 10 to express gratitude. And that one then got an additional blessing. Gratitude reduces new favors over your life. Uh, think about the story in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 42 to 45. Remember, there's, another, there's a leper comes to Jesus, fell down in front of him, bowed and said, if you will, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I am willing to heal you. Move with compassion. He reached out and touched him, be healed. And immediately the man was clean. You know the story. Now, you probably missed this part that comes after it. Then Jesus spoke to him and said, now, don't tell anyone. And what did the guy do? He went to everyone. He told so many people about Jesus healing and benefiting him that in the end, Jesus couldn't move around. Now, let's have a look what happened just then. Jesus had benefited him or blessed him and benefited him. It's normal to expect he would be appreciative and testify. But Jesus knew if he did that, he's gonna ruin his ability to get around. So he said, now don't tell anyone. Now you understand that to do such a healing miracle and benefit him so greatly and then say, not tell anyone, man, this guy's motives are pure. He doesn't even want anything from me. He's, he's just healed me without any requirements back. Wow, I got to tell everyone about this. So he goes out and tells everyone. Jesus couldn't come freely after that because the guy had not followed his instructions. He should have followed the instructions, you know. Good to follow Jesus' instructions, isn't it, eh? 
Okay then. So, so we're getting the picture now of it all. So how does the patronage of God differ from the patronage in the world? Uh, several ways. Remember, God is the God of all grace. The gospel we have is the gospel of grace. Now, I know, you, I know there's a limited meaning in, to this word in the West, but I want you to expand your meaning as to understand it means unlimited benefits coming to you from someone who was wealthy beyond measure. That's what it's talking about. So when it says the gospel is the gospel of grace, it is the gospel. Now you see, now when you hear the word grace, oh, amazing grace, how sweet. When people who heard the word gospel of grace, oh, wow, God is going to become my patron and benefactor. How awesome is that? That is good news indeed, that God will welcome me and do favors and bless my life. Man, that is really good news. Gospel of the goodness of God, the favor of God to people. And so here's the difference. Uh, in number one, God initiates giving to us. In other words, God looks for us to find us. God initiates the giving. In the, other, in the, uh, in the, in the Middle East or those kind of places, uh, you had to go to the patron first of all. But the patron has come to us. John 3.16, God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Whoever believes on him will not perish from heaven. God visited to say, I want to help you. I want Jesus came. He's saying, I want to help you. I've come to visit you, to find you. That's why he sends people out to seek them because God wants to initiate kindness to people. God is an initiator of kindness. Well, that is so different. That is radically different to having to go to some rich man and beg and hope that somehow he'll give you something. Yet a lot of people approach God like that. I've got to go to him and beg for something because I'm not sure whether he's going to give it to me or not. Here's the second thing. Uh, the, the difference between the, uh, the, the, the patrons or benefactors of those day and, and, and God is this. He's available to every person, even those who are hostile to him. Now, that's an amazing thing because in those days, if someone was hostile to you, you never help them out. But the Bible says, while we were enemies of Christ, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whoa, what kind of benefactor is that? I never heard anything like that before. The only benefaction I've ever seen is if I'm nice to the guy, be nice back. But for someone who I'm hostile against and, 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 and cursing and using his name and cursing, and yet he shows kindness, whoa, what kind of benefactor is that? That is unbelievable. What a God of grace and generosity that is. Here's the third thing. He says here, unlimited supply of reserves, Philippians 4.19. My God, supply your every need. Wow. Most benefactors can only provide some needs. God can provide every need. Now, the God supply you with grace. We shared that verse before in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That you having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. Now, you can see there in that verse, grace flowing to you is so you can be responsive. Not a consumer, but a responsive person. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, are having all sufficiency in all things, may be happy that you're blessed. No, may abound in every good work. So you'll see, whenever the word grace is mentioned, it has to do with this relationship with God where He has blessed us, but that blessing now must find a form of expression. He phrased it like this to Abraham, and you will all, I will bless you, and in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. A blessing and grace is meant to flow. Here's the third thing, or the fourth thing. There's no personal agenda in God's giving. In fact, it's found in Luke 6, 32 to 35. It talks about this. It says, if you give, hoping to get something back, what grace is on your life, but if you give, hoping for nothing back, then you are children of your father and your father will reward you because God gives with no strings attached. That's another way he's different. Earthly benefactors would expect that people would respond. God will give generously with no demand. It's up to you to choose to be an honorable person and respond by being grateful. Oh, you're not crying. Is that good news or What? That's such, such good news. God is able to do all things. He can make miracles abound to us, eh? Here's the last thing that, about God being different as a, as a, a benefactor. Uh, in, in, in the system they had, they had the benefactor, the patron, and the clients, and they sometimes at the best called the clients friends. But you know what God said? This is God's benefaction. 
He says, I make you into my family and you can come and be part of my home and my family and entitled to inheritance in me. Whoa! You see, we know the verses, but we've lost the revelation of what that signified to those who heard them. A benefactor, take the wealthy man taking you into his family and adopting you as one of his sons and part of his inheritance. Whoa! What kind of generosity is that? That is unspeakable generosity. That's almost unheard of generosity. It requires a response. It requires a response from me. I need to respond. Christ has given his life that I might have access to every blessing, every favor. And of course, favors grow, see? You see, when, when you get into the cycle where God blesses you and you're grateful and release the blessing, then what happens is you start to increase. It says of Jesus in Luke 2.52, it says, he grew in wisdom and stature and what? And favor with God and man. Now, now that word favor is the word grace. So they've translated it favor so we can get a better understanding on it. But originally it was the word grace. Everyone knew what that meant. Oh, wow. God blessed him and he responded and now he's increasing in the favor. You wonder why some people's blessing seems to be more than yours? Consider the issue of your gratitude. So how do we respond with gratitude when God pours out his grace to us? I'll just put, summarize it again and then we finish and have an opportunity just to respond to the Lord. Number one, we need to express thanks. We need to express thanks. Thank you. You don't say thank you and keep quiet. You've got to say thank you. You know, when God put his spirit into your heart and you began to speak in tongues, you know one of the major functions of tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 16, is to thank God well. Pray in tongues a lot. You know, when the Bible says how to come into His presence, come into His presence with, oh, thanksgiving. When we're grateful, it attracts Him. These things are not casually written in there. They're part of understanding that whole culture of how we interact and build relationship. Number two, we need to be uh, honor Jesus by testifying about him. Remember when those people did the miracle in Acts chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, and healed the man? They said, you want to know who we did this by? I tell you right now, it's by the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucify. That's pretty gutsy talk, isn't it? Now, these are the same guys who killed Jesus, and here's the apostles now standing up saying, you want to know how that man got healed? There's nothing fancy about this. It was by faith in the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucified, but God raised him from the dead. It's in his name this miracle's done. Man, they're making the name of Jesus famous. So if God has blessed you, testify, testify, tell someone. You don't have to talk them into becoming a Christian. Tell them how good God is. Tell them what he did. Share your testimony, how God has blessed you, how God has helped you. Look for an opportunity to speak what God has blessed you with. And how do I stay in the flow of blessing? Stay in gratitude. Stay in gratitude. Expressing thanks, honoring Him. Loyalty. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. And He said, there's a conflict between money and the world and its wealth system and honoring and living a life that pleases God. He said, you can't serve them both. You've got to make a decision. So choose to honor Him. That's why we say when we give or tithe, we are breaking the hold of the world over our money by saying, I honor God with my giving. Whatever the giving is, it's not the amount you're giving or even the percentage you're giving. It's that you are honoring God with your giving. If you got it, either you got it all yourself with all your own efforts and you should slap yourself on the back and buy a beer. You know, or God provided for you and you are the recipient of blessing and you say thank you. And one way you say thank you is you give a portion to Him, whatever you choose. Getting the idea? Gratitude. Here's the last one, acts of service. Acts of service. Now, the thing is, what can you do for God? What can you do for a wealthy man? What can you do for someone who's got it all? Be grateful. And one way you're grateful, here's the thing. This is the way, one of the ways we show great gratitude to the Lord is that we do what He calls us to do. So if the rich man called you and said, do this, I want you to do this favor, then you'd say, of course. The New Testament equivalent of that is, or the Bible equivalent of that is, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, yes, sir. 
Do it right away. Do what God says. Be obedient. Now, here's the way that we serve the Lord is we take what God has given us and use it to benefit others. Why do we do that? Because Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 40, He said, when you do this to the least of my brethren, you are? I can't hear you. Doing it too? So when God prompts you to help someone, you are doing it to Him. You are responding. See, now you're not doing because you have to. If you do it because you have to, you're wrongly motivated. You do it because you're grateful. And the Holy Spirit responds and prompts you to, to be generous to someone. You're generous to them. You're doing it to the Lord. Proverbs 19, he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Uh, in 1 Peter 14, it says, Now let every man steward the gift or grace God has given him and minister to others. You have a gift. It doesn't really matter what your gift is. Your gifts vary. So we don't compare with anyone. That'd be stupid because I'm gifted the way I'm gifted, not the way you're gifted. If I compare with you, I'm never going to come up good enough. But if I discover my gifts, then every man as you've received a gift of God, use it to minister and bless other people. Every believer is called to minister, serve, benefit other people. So the question is, does your gratitude include expressing thanks to the Lord regularly? Does your gratitude include sharing what He's done and honouring who He is? Does your gratitude include loyalty to Him and to His people? You can't separate Him from, your pe from His people. My loyalty to this church is part of being loyal to Jesus because He finds expression through people. You can't say, oh, I'm loyal to you and you alone. No, 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 that's wrong thinking. He finds expression through a tangible body and our loyalty to support people, work with people, labor with people, serve people, build people. That's part of our loyalty to Him. Finally, your giftings. Have you discovered what God's gifted you and used it to bless others? Whether it's money, whether it's singing, whether it's prophecy, whether it's teaching, whatever it is. Use it, cultivate it, grow it. And you know what happens? As you develop it and benefit others, oh, God gives you more. How amazing is that? How many even challenged today? We should repent of our ingratitude, shouldn't we? How many discovered right now that gratitude really needs to grow in my life? We need to become more grateful because we just take everything for granted and become entitled and then get down to a living where we're no longer passionate about the Lord. Why don't we just stand at our feet right now? I just sense God's Spirit here today. And if you have it in your heart and you say, oh God, I've just taken everything you've given me I've taken it for granted. Today I repent of my ingratitude and I renew my commitment to you to honor you as my benefactor and share your blessings with others. God's speaking to your heart that way. I believe He wants to freshly anoint you and empower you today. This is a new year. It's a year of growing, a year of changing. This is a year of becoming incredibly grateful and expressing that gratitude and imparting that grace to others. Father, we thank You. Oh, the riches of Your grace. Oh, the God of grace. You're able to make all grace, favor abound to us. That having all sufficiency in all things, we can abound in every good work. And the more we abound in those things, the more You will give to us and the greater the blessing we'll walk in. Lord, today as we come before you, we repent of ingratitude. Failing to speak, failing to testify, failing to be loyal, failing to minister and, and help others and bless others with what you blessed us. We found many reasons for all of this, but today we repent and come and say, Lord, we honor you as the one who's given so much by responding to you today. Is that you? Why don't you come forward? Let's just come build an altar in our heart to the Lord. And just flow in a song just to worship Jesus, lift His name up. Why don't we just make a decision right now? God, I'm coming in repentance. I'm coming to open my heart to you. I'm coming, Lord, into the place of transformation in my life.
I'm going to be a person of gratitude. I'm asking today as I repent for a fresh impartation of grace. I'm asking for a fresh empowerment into my life. A fresh anointing into my life. As I present myself, Lord, today, I renew my heart connection with you. To love you, to honor you, be grateful to you, appreciate you. Share you with others. Bless others with my giftings and the blessings you've given me. Let's begin to worship Him. You do your work with the Lord, just in repentance. I'm believing for the power of God to come over you, touch people, bring a fresh anointing for this year. Thank you. Lord, let the heavens open. As we honor you, let your presence come. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to us through hard times. Faithfulness. You've been faithful to us. When we're unfaithful, you remain faithful. Lord, today we pray for an increase of grace over Bay City, over the families, the members, the children, the leaders, the pastors. We're asking that grace increase in every area of Bay City this year. We're asking that generosity increase, that honor increase, that gratitude increase, that serving increases. Reach out now for the Lord to touch you. Thank you, Lord. It's a new day. It's a new day. Joy, come up and get me the strength. Thank you, Lord. Father, come touch, 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 touch. The Lord says, I put a, a mark in the ground that divides last year from this year. You've made choices and decisions to honor me, to pour your life out, your heart out to me. Lord says, I will honor you in this year. Favor will come upon you. Areas where you've prayed and there's been no response, you'll see the breakthrough in family. You'll see the breakthrough in your own life. For a new anointing I put upon you, a spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy will come around your life. The spirit of discernment to see. See the giftings of people, to call them into positioning, into placement. I give you the eye of an eagle to see things no one else sees. The Lord says, a fire is coming upon you. A fire of passion and intimacy. A fire of love. The Lord says that fire is upon you now. Come, Lord, increase it. Increase now in Jesus' name. Fire, fire, revelation. Come on, keep it going, keep it going. Father, come, come. Things have already begun to turn for you. For you honored me in the secret place. You've honored me with humility. You've honored me with your prayers. You've honored me with your giving, says the Lord. Now I'm turning the tide in your life. I will raise you up and put honor upon you. I will cause prosperity to come around you. That which the enemy has stolen, I will restore, restore, restore. This is for you a year of restoration. This is for year a year of miracles. A year of miracle breakthroughs. Financially, there will come increase that will escalate. Always remember the source of your blessing. Always remember and stay humble. I will cause doors to open to speak my word. The flow that you once knew is come upon you again, said the Lord. A flow of prophecy. A flow of boldness. A flow of new authority is upon your life today. It's a new beginning. Confidence, encouragement, boldness I put into your life, said the Lord. It's a day of new beginnings for you. You'll begin to start to stretch out. You have a passion to learn about healing, a passion for miracles. The Lord said, you'll begin to see things happen as you stretch to pray. Little by little by little by little, you'll push back the boundaries. You'll start to see the miracles happening. I brought you to this place, said the Lord, to enlarge you, increase you, and to bless you. Promotion. I promote you this year. For you put your feet down to me, said the Lord. You've rested upon me. You've trusted in me. 
And you've seen my faithfulness. You've seen my goodness. Now I have much more, much more, much more, much more. There's promotion ahead. Don't stay small in thinking. Allow me to enlarge your thinking. Enlarge your expectation, for I have much more for you, says the Lord. Souls come again. Vision for souls is coming again. Passion for souls. But you need to move in the supernatural. Begin to fast. Seek the Lord for the supernatural. The Lord says, as you press into Him in this coming season, you'll start to see miracles of healing. Unexpected miracles of healing just casually taking place just with people you talk to, people you engage, people from other cultures. You won't have to go away for it to happen. It will happen in your own city, said the Lord. Boldness, a boldness is the Lord. A boldness is coming upon your life. I remove the shame. I remove all shame of the former days. And I cause you to come with a new boldness, a new authority. I'm raising you up as a leader. I've given you a gift and a passion. I've given you abilities to lead, said the Lord. You'll begin to emerge in this coming year. I've not finished with you. I've not finished with you. Intercession and prayer with the Lord, encounters with the Spirit of God, new encounters, fresh encounters, I will restore your youth like an eagle, for those who wait upon me shall renew their strength, said the Lord. It's a new day. I'm separating you from some things, some relationships, some things that have entangled you. I causing the entanglements to break away and a focus to come in this year. This is for you a year of focus, a year of growth, a year of enlargement, said the Lord. Boldness, new authority coming around your life. The Lord says, as you center your life on who you are in me, you are not who you used to be. You're a new creation of me. That new creation can prophesy, can move in words of knowledge, can move in things of the Spirit. Stretch my daughter into who you are, who I've made you to be. Don't look back. Don't let the accusations and condemnations of previous church life limit and contain you. But rise up to be who I've called you to be, sister. Family, family, family. Things are going to happen in family. There's been prayer going up. There's been intercession taking place. I've heard your prayers of the Lord are moving upon your life to bring healing and restoration. Don't limit me, said the Lord. Don't limit me according to culture. Don't limit me according to religious tradition. I am beyond that. I've got more things for you. I want to expand your faith, expand your vision, expand your horizons. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Father, we just honor you and thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Father, we pray blessing on the families of Bay City, an increase of grace over our lives, increase of grace this year, increase in enlargement. And Lord, help us to be grateful constantly, not only to you, but to those who bless us and help us in your name. Amen. God bless you.